This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. What's that at the foot of my bed? It's spooky and kooky. I'm pretty sure it's dead. It's coming this way. Hey, boo! It's me, Roz. How you doing? I'm good. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm good. We are talking about Ouija boards on this episode today and next week as well. I decided to make this a two-parter, and I'm talking to Karen A. Dolman. And Karen A. Dolman is... I I don't know if she uses this word for to describe herself, but she's like an expert, uh, or at least as close to being an expert as I think there are when it comes to Ouija boards. And, you know, they come up so much on this show that I feel like we need to get a little bit of insight on this show about, are they evil? What's going on? Are they real? What's the history? So we get into that kind of stuff today. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. And I think you will too. I was thinking maybe I should read a listener's story or two. And I decided to go check out the reviews on Apple Podcast. And oh my God, you guys. We went from five stars to 4.9 stars. Um, I'm a little hurt. I don't know how that happens. So please rate the show five stars and let's get it back to five. I can't, I can't stand to see the 4.9. Um, but it's a great place where you could leave a listener story for me. Or you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do anything. You can just write five stars. That's a nice thing to do. Um, but this one 
was posted in a five-star review by Gabby. And Gabby writes, Hi, Roz. I'm a longtime listener and have been wanting to share one of my many stories for a long time, but have never had the courage to do so until now. This is the story all about how my sister's doppelganger gave me a visit. I have always had very abnormal stuff go on in my house that only I ever seem to notice. So I thought that it was my young mind playing tricks on me. But as I grew older and listened to your podcast, I have realized that what I thought was crazy could possibly have been real. So this particular case happened when I was about 11 years old. It was about six in the morning, and I was laying in bed asleep, facing the wall in my bedroom that my bed was pushed up against. I suddenly woke up because I felt as if someone was watching me, and I turned towards the open part of my room to see my sister sitting in my desk chair not where I left it, in front of my window, holding the curtain open and looking out onto the street. My sister would usually come into my room in the morning to wake me, so I absentmindedly told her to leave me alone. She then, very creepily, released the curtain to my window that she was holding, waved at me with that hand while smiling, then picked the curtain back up and started staring out the window again. I turned back over to face the wall, really without thinking, but after a moment I thought, well, that was extremely weird. And I turned back to face her just to find her gone and my desk chair back under my desk where I left it. I was freaked out and immediately went to my sister's room to find her asleep and snoring. I was super weirded out and could not go back to sleep. Now, my mother is also a big believer in the paranormal, but she seems to always think that everything is a demon or has really bad energy. When I told her what happened, her first reaction was, it was a demon that disguised itself as my sister and wanted me to follow it, and she wanted to sage my room. I don't know where she got that idea about the demon from, but being 11 years old, it creeped me out. Yeah. Since then, there has been countless other minor incidences where I know that there is either a ghost or spiritual presence in my room. But I firmly believe that it was a warm and gentle and friendly presence, and instead of wanting it out, I am completely willing to share the space of my room with it for the time being. Thanks for reading my story. Thank you so much for leaving that five-star review and sharing that story. Gabby, I mean, that actually kind of sounds like astral projection. Maybe it wasn't like a doppelganger. Maybe it was your sister in her sleep state, being like, I'm gonna go peek out Gabby's window. I don't know, it could be. But that that is interesting what you brought up about your mother thinking that it's a demon impersonating your sister, because I do 
talk to Karen about that throughout this conversation at some point. I think it's in this first part. We talk about that because that is obviously something that a lot of people think goes on. Um, like, you know, with Ouija boards and stuff where it's like a demon pretending to be your loved one. And Karen had some good insights. So stay tuned for that. I want to read another one. Give me more. Give me more. Okay, I went to the Facebook group called Ghosted by Roz Dresfeles. And I saw this one posted by Casey. Casey writes, I have had several experiences in my life, but I'll share one that was over the span of about eight months. My husband and I were 21 and 22 and just got our first apartment and had our, and had our first baby. I believe the first time I saw him, our ghost, I was getting ready for bed and taking out my contacts. I was looking in the mirror and saw a tall young man with glasses walk past the open bathroom door towards our bedroom where our son was sleeping in his bassinet. The bathroom had a door going into the hall and one going into the bedroom. So I walked into the bedroom and no one was there. He, lo- he actually looked a lot like my husband, so I thought it was him. He was young, tall, white, and skinny with glasses, very similar to my husband's. Another time, my husband and I were sitting on the couch watching a movie, and I looked over into the kitchen, and he was standing at the stove looking at us between the cabinets above the stove. Oh my god, what are you doing in that moment? Are you like, to your husband, like look over there don't say anything just turn oh my god one time i was coming home from work and went to check the mail which was in a little covered area in the courtyard as i was walking back to our second floor apartment carrying our son's carrier i looked up and saw him peeking through our blinds I called maintenance to come and check the apartment before I would go in, and they didn't find anyone. Last notable time. It was Mother's Day, and my husband stayed home that evening so my cousin and I could have dinner to celebrate. My family had celebrated earlier that day. I came home and had left my keys at home, so was knocking on the door for my husband to let me in. He's a really hard sleeper. So I started knocking on the window to our bedroom, then went back to the front door. He came several minutes later, a little freaked out. He said he woke up to being nudged by our ghost and him saying, hey, someone's at the door. What? Also, something that has been discussed a lot in paranormal podcasts is ghosts usually being in old time clothes. Our ghost had jeans and a shirt. He looked straight out of the 90s, early 2000s. I probably saw him more, but thought it was my husband. Also, I've heard babies and fighting make them more active. And we had a new baby and our neighbors would fight really loud all the time. I mean, it sounds like a nice ghost. I mean, that's that's so funny. Like, wake up, someone's at the door. Wow. It's kind of spooky, but kind of sweet. I don't know. I like it. These are good stories. Guys, keep them coming. Keep sending me the stories. And um, 
As always, I want to do a listener episode too. So send me your emails at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line listener episode. And maybe we can talk on the phone and record. Um, This whole idea of like a late 90s, 2000s ghost, it got me thinking because, okay, I just talked to Katrina Weidman. I can't wait to release those episodes coming soon as well. But one of the things that you'll hear us talk about was um, she had mentioned like sometimes during paranormal investigations, you can turn on music of a time period and maybe that could get some activity going, make the ghosts feel comfortable. The ghosts might be like, oh, that's my bop. And then they'll come out and start dancing. They just can't help it. Um, so I don't know, like late 90s, 2000s ghosts. You could put on some like, let's see here. He has like a jeans and t- You could put on, like I don't know, Blink-182 or something. Maybe he'll come out. Um, Backstreet Boys. <gasps> okay, wait. You guys, okay. I can't believe I didn't. Okay, I got to share this with you. So this is not paranormal related at all. But I work with the legendary Bingo here in Los Angeles. And um, I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I did it before the pandemic. And now we're back and I'm doing I've been doing a lot of events with them a lot of like, private events and stuff. And it's really cool. We get to do all kinds of just insanely fun, incredible events. And um, we did one, a pride event this weekend, where we were like, I guess you could say we were like kind of the opening act. I mean, we played like an hour of bingo, me and uh, the bingo boy who uh, owns the company created this, this really super fun drag queen bingo uh, that happens in LA and all over the place and on zoom and stuff as well. Um, But the two of us, we, we kind of like opened the show for two members of NSYNC and two members of the Backstreet Boys and they performed and it was pretty incredible. And um, I wish I would have taken more videos and, and pictures and stuff, but you can watch like, if you go to YouTube and type it in, they were there at the Grove here in LA this weekend. Um, there's tons of pictures and videos all over the internet of the event. It was pretty incredible. But um, I, when I do these kinds of events, it's like, I'm in kind of like work mode. So it's kind of hard to like, like I wish I could vlog better. Um, so I wasn't really able to do that, but uh, I did make a vlog on my Patreon this weekend and there's some of that in there. Um, I also went to go see Jackie Beat and Cherry Vine at Casita del Campo, my favorite place here in LA where I do my live ghosted shows um, or I have in the past and hope to one day soon. Um, so uh, I did a little video taking taking you with me. So go check that out on my first tier of Patreon um, this week. And the bonus clip on my second tier of Patreon this week, I mean, I can kind of tell you about it, but like you will understand it more on the tail end of this episode. So once you fall in love with Karen, then you're going to like be like, okay, I got I to gotta go listen to some more. Um, but that's patreon.com slash Velez. And we're actually talking about like this episode's mainly about Ouija boards, but Karen is, she does a lot of different things and she starts talking about these extraterrestrials that she has a relationship with, you know, she, she knows them <laughs> and I, I don't know how else to put it. I just, they're like, they guide her and, and she has this relationship with these extra ter- terrestrial beings and, uh, 
we talk about that a little bit more on Patreon. So go check that out. Anyway, let's talk about Ouija boards. Here is my conversation part one with Karen A. Dullman. On with the show! All right, you guys, I have my Ouija board open and I'm going to see who comes through. A K A R E N. Oh no, it's moving so fast. <gasps> Karen A. Dolman, hello! Hello, I just popped in through the portal of the Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm having a great day. And how are you doing? I am wonderful. You know, well, first of all, I just noticed that I. I said Ouija, which is such a, Mm. like, it's real deep in me to say that. I don't know why. Why is that? Why do I say that? We all know it's not Ouija. Oh, I'm impressed that you even know that. A lot of people don't know that. So, okay, you can say Ouija now, but originally when the board and planchette were made, it was pronounced Ouija. And that's even how it was trademarked and patented. And in fact, some of the original boards were sh- were sold with the pronunciation on them to pronounce it as Ouija. Mm. Yeah, because for me as a kid, it was always like the Ouija board. Ouija. Yeah, listen, you'll hear me say Ouija interchangeably. It's okay to say it. I think what's happened just in our, our lexicon of words, it's like it's it's become so pop culture to say Ouija now that it's not wrong to. I just kind of am old school and I'll still say Ouija for the most part. But if you say Ouija, it's all good. Well, and what are all the other terms? There's what? Talking board. Very I good. Mean- what else uh-huh. can we say? Is witch board? Is that the same thing? I've heard that. Well, you could say witch board, spirit board, talking board, Ouija board. But just so everybody out there knows, Ouija board is a patent and trademark name. So not all boards are called Ouija boards, but all oh. boards are talking boards or spirit boards. Now, witch board is also a name. You know, it came out of the movie Witch Board. But, um, you know, there's boards that actually have the title Witch Board on them. But just remember that if you use the word Ouija or Ouija, it's only if it's patented and trademarked. Oh, my God. Witch board with Tawny Katane. Yes. Who, right. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And she by the passed. way, I've got to tell you this, Roz. I know she just passed. Um, we are going to be at Michigan Paracon with some really exciting witch board stuff with us. Just what saying. does that mean? Well, that's about all I can say right now. We have a, a wonderful haunted museum we'll be doing there this year at Michigan Paracon. And we will have some stuff from the movie. That's all oh, my God. Okay. Well, here's yes. what I have to say about that. I probably have shared this on this podcast. I'm not sure. But um, Tawny Katane, uh and my other producer, Land, we're obsessed with her. And I got mm-hmm. Land a cameo. Do you know what cameo is? Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I got him a Tawny Katane cameo for Christmas. And it was the best cameo I've ever oh. seen. It has changed the way that I do it. I think that she's just incredible. And then she passed away. I know. So we love so her over reasonable. here. We love her so much, too. All, all this talking board collectors love her as well. So, wait. So, basically, what... If I'm getting this straight, Ouija is sort of like Kleenex. Correct. Well, well, yeah. So Kleenex, we all call tissues Kleenex. Very good. Very good analogy. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we've just really kind of jumped into this, but uh, you are, you're kind of the Ouija lady from what I, from what (laughs) my sources tell me. I mean, you're a Ouija therapist. You're Mm -hmm. a Ouijaologist, which might be my favorite word of all time. Um, you're the officer and director of the talking board historical society. I mean, 
I'm sure you've answered this a billion times, but don't worry, we'll keep it fun and fresh. How did you become the Ouija lady? Well, I, I think that's kind of a tongue in cheek. Um, it's I'm an unusual person talking about the Ouija board for all your listeners out there who who are new to, to my work. Um, I've been doing the board for 48 years, but everybody says, oh, tell me your bad, evil stories. And wow. I got to be honest, people, my stories are so life affirming, riveting, eye opening and just pretty exciting that I haven't had to make bad experiences. So I think my message out of all the messages out there is one of a more positive message that you can to learn to channel using a Ouija board. We can get into this a little bit more, but Please. I think that's why I have that, that's created a name as like the Ouija lady or, and I know coast to coast, George Nori calls me the, the Miss Ouija or Ouija lady and all these different names and monikers that they've come up with over the years. And it's just because I'm, I'm first of all, I'm, I'm the only female in the, um, talking about historical society group. Uh, And so, you know, we got all these male collectors and there's me. And then also, um, you know, like, again, it's a rarity that somebody talks more positively about the board. And so it's just kind of stuck, I guess. Well, I appreciate that because, yeah, there is a stigma. And, you know, the way that this podcast started out maybe almost three years ago was me just being like a person that likes this stuff, doesn't know much Mm -hmm. about it, like just all paranormal things. And I've talked to so many people and I will admit that before talking to more people that know more than me, I thought, you know, it's... Ooh, they're evil. Stay away. Mm. And I, and I've definitely opened my eyes to the fact that that's not necessarily the case. And I still talk to a lot of people that it comes up, and they're just like, "No, can't do it. It's evil." So <laughs> I hear that you're the perfect person to talk to to be like, mm, "No, it's that's not the case." Yeah, well, I'm more matter of a fact. I mean, I just look at what my experiences have been. And and since I've been out in the public speaking about my experiences since 2012, I've worked with so many people around the world with this tool, helping them really learn to use it in the direction they want to go. But I'm really good at teaching how to use it to maybe talk to your angels, your guides, your deceased loved ones, your pets, all kinds of different sentient beings and consciousness in any dimension. So I, we can go way out there if you want to today, but that's what I've specialized in. And, and my background, I am a therapist. So I'm not surprised when I channel, I tend to get more positive, helpful things for people for personal development and growth. And, you know, that's my background too. So I, I tend to attract more of those energies to me for that reason. You know, when you work with this tool, it's not the board itself that does this work. It's our, it's our own selves. We do this work. It's just a tool that's new neutral. We use it to channel like a talisman or like a focal point. Um, It just becomes the excuse or permission slip, if you will, to slip into the other realms and make these contacts. So um, it's really ourselves that do this work. And so I tend to be more positive. You know, the glass is half full, not half empty. And therefore, I tend to attract more of that to me, those kind of energies. Yeah. You know, my thing that I always think about is why is the Ouija board the evil one, but like all the other ways of communicating through paranormal investigation, why is that not? You Good know? point. Yeah. It's just, it has such a stigma. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So think about it. People use, okay, I call myself old school, get a little planchette, it moves around on that board. There's no electronics. Now all the new tools they have today, the um, EVP and all the different meters, K2 meters and Frank's box and obelisk and all these different tools. I'm sure you've heard about Roz. Mm-hmm. These tools are doing no different than what I am. They just tend to be electrical, but you're still asking for some kind of interference or something to come through where I'm just using myself. It's like, I'm the channel allow this energy to come through. It's no different. We're both are tapping into these energies. Now, here's a, here's an example. You could sit yourself in a room that's well lighted and you could put yourself in the intentions. And if you're, and if you're in the belief, the space of believing this could happen, you could call in the energies. And why is that not evil? I mean, maybe some people it is, but that's no different than what we're doing when we use something as a focal point, whether it's electronic device, tro cards, pendulum, um, it could be the dowsing rods, it could be the I Ching, the ruins, or the Ouija board, or black mirror scrying, or crystal ball. I mean, I work with all these different tools because that's what they are. So to say this one's evil and those aren't is just a farcity. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Do you believe in haunted objects? Like, do you believe that? an object could have some type of energy attached to it? You know, the question would be, do people believe that? It's amazing. We always say it's the object that does so much magic in our lives or has these abilities. The truth is we give away our abilities every time we do that. Do I believe things appear to be haunted? Yes. And there could be many reasons for that. Could it be your own psychokinesis, telekinesis? Could it be your own projections? Could it be a tulpa, a thought uh, project, a project? It could be so many different reasons why that's happening. But yet we tend to go, oh, that's a haunted doll. Uh-huh. And not thinking maybe we're putting our own energy and projecting it onto the doll. Thus, it becomes appear- apparently haunted. Okay. Uh-huh. So I don't want to say no. And yes, I want to say, what does the person believe? Personally, in my collection, I have a lot of boards. I have like 50 plus, I think I'm about 54, 55 boards now, which is nothing compared to my fellow collectors. They've got over hundreds and thousands of boards. So my collection is considered small. Not one of them is a haunted board. Um, It's not part of my belief system. um, And I see them as neutral. So who's haunted? Maybe it's me because I'm the one that can bring in all the energies. (gasps) So it's a tricky question you ask. Most people say, yes, it's haunted. And I'm saying, well, it's not that easy to say. Okay, wait. Now we. I want to dissect something here because I've told this story before that probably 12 years ago, I was at a Goodwill because I love, you know, my thrifting and my bargaining. And I found a Ouija board Mm. for a dollar. And so I bought it. But I now now you're making me rethink this because I had in my mind, this thing could be haunted. I told myself I'm not going to play it because I was too (laughs) I was too afraid that it was going to something bad was going to happen with it at the time. And but I I was thinking this thing is is going to be haunted. But then nothing happened. I, ha- I kept it in my room for like two days, and then weird things started happening around my apartment. Mm. And it continued for years. Now, could this be that maybe I projected it, or I've got telekinesis, or what? What, what, what mean, do we think? You're asking a great question, and I and I love it because you're open to th- rethinking this and thinking it on different levels. Yeah. So, am I saying something can't be haunted? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's rethink how what haunting means. I think we were so one dimensional and say haunting means oh, there must be a ghost attached to it. 
but couldn't this haunting be considered something else? For example, and I'll, I'll get back to your, your Ouija board story. Let's say you go into a place that's considered haunted and you can tap into the energies and people say, oh, the story is this always, Roz. There was a little girl that died here. It's always that. It's always, a, there's a little girl that died here in a blue dress. And everybody goes and sees that or wants that. But then for a second, let's rethink this. Could it have been a confluence of energies that opens a portal and all different kinds of energies can come through? But yet our interpretation, our belief system only allows us to see it on one dimension. And maybe not for what else it could be. Or maybe it's so much more. You see, we only can see, think about this, with our eyes, a very small spectrum of the light theory spectrum. There's so much we can't see, but some animals can tap into these other realms. There's so We know the light spectrum exists. That's way beyond ours. We see just a small portion. So I'm saying, let's don't limit ourselves that it's only, oh, a haunted item. And your boards you bought, sure, maybe there's something that came attached to it, but let's rethink think this and see, could it be something else as well? And then when we start opening ourselves to more possibilities, the ability to communicate and um, uh, reach into these unseen dimensions develops and grows. And I would say that's been my success with using the board. I didn't limit it to, oh, it's old, it's got to be haunted, or you only talk to the dead with it. Instead, I said, what else can I do with this? And I found myself naturally beginning to talk to people's higher selves and their alive, live people, animals that are alive and dead. Well, they're never really dead. They're just called transitioned. Um, I started talking to interdimensional beings. I started talking to extraterrestrials. I started talking to ethereal beings, angels go on and on and on because I opened myself to say, it's not just a haunting or it's not just a ghost. And maybe, maybe because I'm so open, I'm helping project what energies can come through. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying there's energies out there. And maybe because I'm, I'm so open to the realm of interpretation or possibilities that I widen it to so much more of the experience. My guides, who I talk to all the time on the board, came through more recently. And I was with Patrick Keller, who was on the show. Yes. And we went to haunting, a place that was haunted the Haunted Castle House up there in Missouri. And we met with the owners of the place. And the guides had told me, tell them this. And they had a message for me to provide them before we started our, our investigation. And they had all the rigmarole tools, everything that lights and beeps and sounds and projects uh-huh. and all this really cool stuff. And I just brought my old school cool tool, the Ouija board. So I sat down and I said, they want me to tell you that maybe, just maybe for a moment, suspend judgment that this is you're just here talking to deceased people, possibly your place is a conduit for all kinds of energies coming through and let's see what happens. And sure enough for myself during this investigation, and I know they got it too. I was sensing like a Sasquatch there. I was sensing, you know, different time periods. We were sensing people that might have lived in the house. I was also sensing other beings that had nothing to do with the house. So it's like, if we're open to it, we allow so much more to come through. But once we say um, it's just this, then we close ourselves down to all the possibilities of what else could be coming through. So would you say that the reverse is true as well? You know, if you're going into it in a bad way, you can find the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to get what it is that you're, 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 um, I was, what I was going to say, fixated upon. If you're fixated upon just the evil, 
okay, you're going to bring something negative to you. And even if it's not negative, you're going to see it in the negative light. It's like you put those instead of rose colored glasses on, you put those negative light glasses on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. See, it can work either way. And and truly, this is how it works in life. Think about it. Just in our regular three-dimensional world, if we have a chip on our shoulder, our day is going to be kind of crummy. I mean, we're going to tend to to draw that out of people. And is it, it's mostly because of the way we're sp- responding or reacting to them, you know? So we have to look at it that way, as in the deceased, as in the living. It's really no different. So do you think that that mentality could be what has contributed to the Ouija board being seen as evil, you know, people approaching it as it's something that's evil. And then whatever happens, they interpret that as evil. And then the story continues with it being evil. Absolutely. And then we have to throw in that's, that's great. Personal beliefs really um, is everything. However, personal beliefs are shaped by, we got institutions, religion, got society, religion. Thank you. Ding, 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 ding. You get a hundred points. Um, <laughs> you're absolutely right. See, so you've, you have a lot of the religious groups saying that is bad and evil and they have no experience other than a few lines in the Bible that might've said something um, that they interpreted, decided to interpret that way. But I got to tell you guys, mankind has always tried to control humanity and they control them by fear. And so just, and this is not the dog on any religion, because I, I really enjoy all different types of religions. I think there's some beauty in everything. And, but just even just in our institutions or our society or cultural viewpoints, we're told our limitations that give us boundaries and little boxes to sit within. And I'm here to say, bust out those walls and go beyond your boundaries and be surprised that you're going to find so many other things exist. And it's not what you were told. Okay. It's not what you were told or yes. thought to, or taught to believe. And so, yes, religion is a big one. So I would have to say, Roz, it, it's a personally shaped by all these other institutions. Ooh, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because this is totally what this podcast is. Like, Ooh. you know, again, like I came in with these certain beliefs and I've just left myself open. And I hear from a lot of people that listen to this show, the same thing. Oh, I didn't know that until you had this person on or that person on. And so I think you're mm-hmm. talking to a lot of people with open minds and open ears and open hearts. And we're, we're here to, to uh, take this in. And I think it's lovely. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? 
Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Um... Going back to it being evil, though, because I mean, come on, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not dwelling on the bad side of Ouija, but I do want to squash it as much as we can. Well, I like talking about it because okay, you know what? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you, life is full of um, polarities, and life is all about dualism. I mean, we have the right, the left, the good, the bad, the up, the down, all this stuff. You know, binaries. So, Binary, absolutely. And that's important to know, you guys. You don't exist without the other, okay? So I'm not saying everything's all peachy keen. I'm just saying you can focus on what you want in life and through the opposite, you know what you want or don't want, okay? And I'm and I'm saying that dark is contained in the is is contained in the light, just like the yin-yang symbol, the the white and the black symbol that you know spirals around. You got a black dot in the white part, and you got a white dot in the black part to say it's contained within each. And so if we can look at things not as bad and good. Good, but as here's an expression, a full spectrum of ways of responding or behaving or codes or whatever you want to call it, ethics or morality or whatever it is, um, what you like or don't like. It's like knowing that then you have a lot more possibilities to choose from. And life really is about learning how to work with the polarities. That's why we're here in third dimension. This is why we have binary stuff. I mean, computer language is all binary code. You know, one one zero zero one one zero one 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 zero zero one. That's all it is. And that creates the whole computation for the computers. And that's very much in life. So I think it's important to have a conversation about both sides of it and not get fixated in one, but to understand we have a choice always. And our choice is what allows us to vacillate between the polarities. Well, I think, I mean, I find it damaging to talk about the paranormal um, in such black and white terms sometimes, you know, like when people Mm -hmm. are like, that's evil, that's bad. I think that that's, you know, especially when people jump to those conclusions, you know, I think, I think that that's where these beliefs uh, continue, you know, I think that it perpetuates more of, you know, paranormal investigators saying Ouija boards are evil. And then now everyone thinks they're evil because they're experts or whatever. I think that that's, (laughs) That's something that has happened as well. So well said. It's very damaging to just just call that out. It's like um, it, it's like saying, "Oh, I'm going to go into this investigation and sit with a candle in the room," like I said earlier, and I'm going to call in, you know, these these energies and hey, talk to me. I want to see who's here, you know. And that's all good, good and cool. But once you pull a Ouija board out, it's bad. Yeah. So I really try to help people to get beyond that and and to be see it as neutral. But you, but we project, here we are back to the projections again. We project on the board what it can be or can't be, must be or shouldn't be. And we put all this crap on it where it's just really a neutral tool. And so, um, yeah, I'm talking about it in a positive experience. You're right. You're saying, well, hey, Karen, you're talking all positive about it. I'll say, because that is what I chose to get from it. I'm yeah. not saying to get negative from it, it doesn't exist. That does exist. I mean, 
I believe that evil exists in the hearts of humanity. We do such horrific things to each other and you're doing it around the world right now. And so that's where you find evil. And so it's, it's through our own projection of what we want to call to it or call with a call out of ourselves through these tools. So yeah, we have to, to have a conversation to really understand Ouija, we got it. We have to, or any device for that matter, any tool we use to reach the unseen dimensions, we have to talk about the polarities of it for sure. Do you think that the exorcist is to blame? Well, you know, what's so funny about that. I would say on one level, maybe to a certain generation. And then after that was the witchboard kind of thing where you learned about progressive entrapment, but you got to understand this as, as talking board historians, what our group does is we do the research on the facts about this tool, whether it's talking board or Ouija board. And what we found is even when it first came out and it first came out in 1890, 91, although there was a predecessor in 1886 that was out there and that one was called a witch board. Um, <laughs> interesting enough. So, when they came out, people started using them. Basically, the spiritualist community snatched them up and used them for a way to talk to the deceased. You know, we had the Civil War in the United States. And then as we moved forward into the early 1900s, we, then we had World War One, World War Two. People were doing, it was the heyday of spiritualism, and people were finding new ways to communicate with their deceased loved ones. And a lot of so, them were con artists. Oh, there were so many charlatans back then. You said it, Roz. That's exactly charlatans. right. So many charlatans and just just story snake oil you know definitely and then there were some good ones too but so people snatched this up and right from the get-go Roz there was always a projection as well from different groups we could say institutions different people different belief systems that said that's evil that's my evil voice. That's evil. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Don't do that. Okay, so that's pretty good, isn't it? Sounds like the exorcist there itself. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. So that, seriously, that's, so it started really when the tool came out. Always when you have something that's mysterious in nature, oh, in your, and you're talking to the forbidden, it's like that then in itself becomes this thing that is scary and spooky and evil and you can't do that. And if you and why should you be able to do that? Only the, the religious clergy can do that or only so-and-so can do that. Only the charlatan over there can do it, but you can't. So it's like taking back into your own hands control of your life control of, the, of what you're going to communicate with. It's a very liberating thing. But yes, there was always fear about it. But then in the 70s, and that book came out in 1971, the book of The Exorcist. But in 73, get this here is a good story. December 26, 1973, the movie came out. I got my very first Ouija board December 25th, 1973. Uh. One day before The Exorcist came out. Did you talk to Captain Howdy? <laughs> well, I was the age of eight and I didn't know anything about Captain Howdy. And I, my parents wouldn't let me watch that movie. And I think I saw it about the time I was probably 18 or 19, 20. And I thought, that is hysterical. You know, I thought that was hysterical. I never, I never really tried to talk to Captain Howdy. I just thought the whole thing was silly. So yeah. I, that was not a thing for me. But um, yeah, it's just interesting that the synchronicity of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I also have this, this thought or theory or something as someone that doesn't know much, but... I've always felt like with Ouija boards, there you can buy them, you know, right next to Candyland and Monopoly, <laughs> Monopoly, and so kids like just buy it, and then they have no clue what they're doing, and then yeah, it becomes this scary thing. I mean, this whole time it's always been marketed as a way to talk to the other side, right? 
Kind of. It's been marketed as a game, but you're right. The way they position it on the back of the board, it says, oh, ask questions of the unseen. The, the answers will come forth. They don't really say where it's coming from. Oh, okay. So they're, they're specific about that. They're kind of not- open about, you know, you're going to be met with great surprise. And after a while, it's going to work for you and you'll get these messages. They don't ever say it's the dead. It's the spiritualists that grabbed it and started using it back in the late 1800s and early 1900s who said it was for the deceased. It was really a group of businessmen and one woman who uh, came forward and developed this tool. And they never really said either, are you talking to the dead? They just said, it's amazing what it does. So they always positioned it and marketed it that way. So it was never really, oh, you got to talk to the dead. It was more like, it's the great unknown. But because people said, and you had this projection and this um, association of for, you know, many years, you know, 100 and what, 130 years now or something, 130, 40, 100, can we do the math? Maybe 140 years now, we, it's it's been positioned that way to communicate with the deceased. So people tend to associate that. And see, Parker Brothers, who bought it from William Fold, and now Hasbro owns it, they still keep that position the same. They don't really say who's coming through. Ah. So your imagination, your projections, and it just keeps it more mysterious in nature. And they said, but it will work. It'll it'll fascinate your friends for hours or something like that. So when did it become like in the toy section? Okay, so when it was first patented and trademarked, it was patented under the uh, the uh, auspice of a novelty item or toy or game. So it was always sold as a toy or game. So um when it was sold by William Fold Company in 1966, it was sold to Parker Brothers that year. And their, their greatest selling toy at the time was Monopoly. So one year after they had the, this, this new device, the Ouija board, they were already marketing it as a toy because it always has been marketed as a game or toy. They outsold their number one game that first year. Ouija outsold Monopoly. So like over a million copies that first year alone. And so they they, they realized, you know, that's a strategy. Make it mysterious. It's still, it always has been. Put it in the toy section. Anybody can use it eight years and up. And you know what? It's going to be fun. And, and what I find, you hit on something really interesting, Roz, a few minutes ago when you said that the kids get it and they get their scary experiences, you know, since there really are no directions other than a few little snippets of things to try, it allows you to kind of um, create your own rules and rituals around it. So a lot of fear comes out of that as well. It's like our superstitions come alive with this tool because we don't really, what do you do with it? You know, as a kid, I don't know what to do. You know, sit across from your friend, put your hands on it and ask questions. Well, what else do you do? How do you make this thing work? And so you start projecting again upon it. Well, let's create a ritual. We got to burn candles. We better Mm -hmm. sage it. We better call in the demons. We better, you know, people write to me and tell me this all the time. And so they, they create these wonderful rituals around it that seem to help it, augment it or scare them. It depends what they want to get. But most kids, when they get it, and if they are kids and using it, even teenage, teenagers, teenagers, I'll include in that category too. They've had one or two experiences, and it was always scary. And they were usually at a sleepover or with some friends, maybe even drinking or something, doing something silly, and then using this tool. And of course, they're going to get scared. That's what they. That's where they're using it. And the lights are off, and yes. the next thing they hear, the wind hits the window. Oh my God, a ghost is here! You know. <laughs> And then that's their experiences, and they, they put the board away, never use it again. You're moving it. No, you're moving it. Stop oh, moving no, it. Oh, no, I'm not. It's got to be a ghost. <laughs> yeah. It's the demon we just called it. You're right. It's my great-grandmother. You know, it's things like that. So you create this whole ambiance around it. And that's, and I got to say, that's the beauty of it, too. I mean, 
I support that. I support people using this tool the, the way they choose to and create their own rituals around it. Um, it. But what do you want to get out of it? Ultimately, people say to me, Karen, I want to use this. And I say, what do you want to use it for? And then they might say, well, talking to my deceased loved ones. I said, okay, that's your focus. Create a ritual around that. Bring them in. Maybe you have a photograph there or you want to talk to Aunt Edna and you call her in. You got a picture there. I mean, create your ritual around it, I say. And um, so it, it you get to create your own mysterious workings. And one of my colleagues, Gene Orlando, he owns the museum at talkingboards.com. Fantastic site. You can learn a lot on there. Anyway, and he's been on my show a few times too, and you can hear him speak about his background with the boards. But um, he coined a word called Ouija-sticians. It's taking your superstitions and adding them to the board, and thus they become Ouija-sticians. And so it's people get really clever and unique with this, and it's, it's kind of interesting to hear about them. So that's kind of what happened. There's, I'm thinking of two stories that I hear all the time. The first story I'm thinking of is, I was talking to Aunt Edna, and then the more I talked to her, it turned out she was a demon. There's that <laughs> yes. one, a demon doing an impression of Aunt Edna. And then the other story I hear is people doing, doing the Ouija, maybe not really getting a response or whatever, and then... 3 a.m., they're sleeping, and there's somebody in the room, and they're like, hey, sorry, I missed your call. I'm here now. Uh, <laughs> you know, that situation. So what do you have to say about those? That's great. I, I get the same ones, too. So uh, people will say to me, and I, I've been using the board now 48 years, 48 years next month, it'll be, and I'm starting my 49th year of using the board. So people will say, oh, my gosh, she's talking to evil spirits that are pretending to be her guides. And I'm like, Really? 48 years later, and I've had nothing but great experiences. You think they're just going to haunt me now in my 49th and 50th year? They're like, really yes. committing. <laughs> it's a sleeping, sleeping, you know, demon or something it's like a sleeper cell, sleeper demon. Demon. I'm like, no, come on, you guys. So, well, yeah, I, or I, maybe it's like a Pixar movie or something where they were demons, but they've just like you, you've taught them about the light, maybe? and now they're no longer <laughs> demons, and they're like, you know what, that whole demon thing's not us anymore. Right. We we turned over a new leaf. It's time for us to change. We've yeah. been doing this for thousands of years and now we're going to go a new light yeah. you know you know who knows but the thing is this it's again um it's seen through my own experiences and my own viewpoints and my i call it my filters of my belief system and so i have this filters of my belief system and that's what they're going to come through as so somebody else could get sit the sit on the board next to me and have their own board and we could be trying to tap into the same energy they might get a whole different message than i do because they're just tapping a different aspect of an energy you know you, you okay so here's an example i'm going to do it in people terms I had this girlfriend of mine um and she would she told me about a friend of hers she's like oh he's a pain in the ass he comes and stays at your house he makes a mess he leaves he leaves coffee all over the counter he doesn't clean up so i let him spend the night at my house um and i said eugene it's all good it's all good spend the night at my house whatever and he gets up, makes his bed, tidies it, makes coffee, cleans it up, puts his dishes away and leaves and leaves me a note. Thank you so much. And I said, well, that's interesting. Why was he like this with you? And why is he like this with me? I had different standards of expectations. And I think because he saw that, he was going to respect that. She was just kind of like more um, bitching. And I think he's going to say, well, whatever. So it's like, it's how you approach somebody, how you approach. And I'm going to say somebody like a person in, in this life that we're talking to each other, or even in the spirit realm, the energy's there. How do you approach it? What do you expect of those spirits? And you're going to find when there's a higher expectation, that's what's going to show up. So when you said, Ross, well, maybe they said turn over a new leaf because she helped to see the light. I'm not going to disagree. That can happen sometimes. 
<gasps> that should be your reality show where you make over demons Ooh. and convert them to nice spirits. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you what, I've had some come to me that have been lost and, and they tell me this and it's not my, it's not me judging them. It's them saying, I need some help. And what do you need help from? And they come and I help them find their way into the light. Or if you want to say proverbial light or literal, literal light, they actually transform. I've seen that. And I'm not surprised. I'm also a psychotherapist. So, you know, I do this with real people in real life, you know what I mean? Or alive yeah. people, I should say. So, you know, you bring yourself, you can't separate yourself from this medium, from this tool. You can't separate yourself from the session. So you're going to bring out that which comes to you. Now, um, if I've had negative experiences, I, I have had somewhere like beans have come through and maybe cussed at me. I didn't really know how to majorly control a situ situation or a session. I was, I was getting better at learning how to do that. And I've had some of that. But the thing I say, if you get anything that comes through, you feel like it's less than positive or less than what you want, then I just say, hey, bye-bye. You can't be here anymore. And I usually pick up the boards and, and I wipe it ceremonially with my arm or my sweatshirt or my shirt. I wipe it off and I put it back down. And I've had people say, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm just getting rid of that energy. No more. Bye-bye. You can't come on my board. And I got to tell you, it works every time. Cause it's like, I shift something in me that brings in a whole nother energy. Ooh, so I, I always okay. tell people what you harbor when you start a session is what you're going to get. So check your baggage at the door and try to start from a neutral space or from at least neutral, but, or from a place of joy. And then you're going to attract great energies. But the thing with, with, the like a ghost coming back later or whatever mm -hmm. does that what is that is that well, a thing you brought up a good thing and then ha people talk about this um i've had experiences too where you might use the board and, and communicate with the energy and the energy wants to stick around and that can happen and it depends what kind of energy you're talking to now you get one that comes and scares you that, that it may be your response to it or maybe the fact that you know you probably should have gave it better boundaries people say you can't do that i go yes you can i have boundaries and i set these boundaries early 90s, I started getting pretty good at using the board after about 15 years of using it. So early 90s, I set some major boundaries where I said, if you want to communicate with me, whether it's through the board or off the board, and I see spirits and I see all kinds of different things and I have conversations with them off the board too, I said, then you know what? Don't come and surprise me in my sleep. You can come through my dreams, but you can't just sit there and hover over me over the bed and scare the heck out of me. That's not allowed. And so I've done these boundaries and it took, you know, a while to build that up. And there's a lot of techniques for that. That's a whole nother story, whole nother show. But doing that in itself set up this grid work, I'm going to call it energy work around me, where they know that. Because I do readings. When I do readings, I ask for the energies to come through that can help me read for this person. And then when that happens, I invite in their spirits that are of a high vibration who have the best interests of heart for this person I'm reading for or for the message that I'm going to bring forth. And then they can come through too. But I, there's, there's a, you set up a, a boundary for yourself. And that, that does require some inner work on yourself as well as learning some techniques. But that's, this is more, that's probably more advanced uh, Ouija board work or, or advanced um, spiritual work. But that's something that's necessary when you start really getting the communications coming through. So, yes, Roz, there's possibilities that that can happen. People have done that before. But you don't need a board for those things to happen. And many people can attest to that as well. Mm. Well, before you set up those boundaries, were you having people hovering over your bed at night? I was having visitations. Um, and I can't just say it was all just people. Um, <gasps> Tell us a ghost story. Ooh. Tell us a ghost story. Gosh, I have, you guys, so many things have happened to me over the years. And it's not just because of the board. It's just myself. Um, well, so, okay, let me back up. So at the age, I remember, I remember back to the age of two. From the age of two to five, 
I had what everybody would call an imaginary playmate, but it was not. It was definitely a being. And I've learned since uh, when I became a lot older, looking back in hindsight, that that was actually an elemental being that was part of my spirit guide collective. I call them the collective group of, of spirit guides I have. And this little being would come to me and, and talk to me about my life, about my family. I was like, who are these people that are trying to tell me what to do? And it would to give me answers and would play with me. And my mom always said, who are you talking to in there? I said, don't you see? It's my friend, Daki was his name. And she goes, there's nobody here. If you're going to go to school, you can't be doing this. I'm like, okay, got to put Daki away. So I thought I put Daki away and really I, I kind of put him to the side, but then I discovered the Ouija board at the age of eight, and that's when just everything blew up again. I was able to talk to all these different beings. Mostly it was deceased people. Um, but then when I got really good, probably when I was a teenager in, in college, I started talking to all different kinds of deceased beings, and then it just kept growing from there. So along the lines from, from the age of two up to where I am now, I still have visitations from different types of beings. And sometimes they're interdimensional. I've had some extraterrestrials uh, come to me. Um, there's one I don't want, I'm not ready to talk about yet. It's in my book I'm writing right now. It's pretty profound. I, it's probably one of my, probably my most uh, special, um, gosh, the most incredible eye-awakening, eye-opening experience ever. And that, that would be out in the, the next book I'm writing. I'm working oh, on right now. Okay. I know, I can't tell you. But I, w- but I will drop, uh, drop some other ones. So when I was a lot younger, and this is even pre-Ouija board, okay? Everybody's going to go, well, it happened to her because she was using a Ouija board. <laughs> no, people, this was happening before I was using a Ouija board. I've always had spirits come to me. I had the grays come to me. And this is like in 19, oh gosh, it started early, late 60s, early 70s. And then it even happened after I had the board. But these, I didn't know what they were, but these little beings would come and stare at me and scare the heck out of me. And I'd have these nightmares and I'd, I'd see them in my room and then I wasn't sure if it was like asleep or awake. And then I'd scream and my parents said, there's nothing in here, go back to sleep. You know, I'll give you something to, to, to cry about. You know, and I was like, oh my God, I was, so, I was terrified of the dark for years. It wasn't until I think it was 1979-80 when Whitley Strieber wrote a book called Communion. It came out. And I saw the creature's face on that book and I went, bingo. That's what I saw all those years ago, a decade earlier. I go, that is what I was seeing. And so I began, That's I realized it was those little extraterrestrial beings that were coming and um we had a relationship, but it was scary because I didn't know how to interpret it. And it was scary because um, they would come and I'd, par- I'd be paralyzed. You know, that's pretty scary for a young kid. Scary for an yeah. adult. So they, they were some of the first beings that would come to me. But there was another group of beings that came around the same time. And these beings I called the guardians. And I remember one time, and this I was in second grade. So I got the Ouija board when I was in third grade. I was in second grade, this pre-Ouija again. And again, you guys, I always was so open, um, clairvoyant, clairaudience, clairsentience. I, I, my clairs are very open, especially when I was a young child. So I had these beings that would come to me. And one, I remember even it was Christmas Eve. And so they would come at auspicious times and or near an auspicious time. So I would say, oh, that's the Easter Bunny. Oh, that must be the Tooth Fairy. You know, right around Easter, right around Christmas or, or at least a month before Christmas. So I could say, oh, that's Santa Claus checking on me. So these beings would come and what they'd look like, they were these large, I mean, tall. They filled the door, but they, I didn't see a body or a form, but it was like huge light. And I'd say they, because it felt like, it almost felt like it was a maybe male, female. I wasn't sure because I would, it, but I truly know they're androgynous because I've, I've spoken to them since, but they would come and I could hear this more feminine voice. Hey, do you think she's asleep? And then this more masculine voice said, well, well let me go check. 
And one of them <laughs> walked over to me and I saw it and I go, oh my God, it's Santa Claus and his helpers. I better close my eyes. They're going to think if I'm awake, he's going to, you know, see Santa Claus, right? So I <laughs> close my eyes and I'm like trying to, you know, when you get your eyes closed, you're nervous. They start blinking, fluttering. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Hold your breath. No, breathe. Hold your breath. No, breathe. Okay. He puts his hand. Okay. I felt a hand touch me on my face, on my eye, just lay there for a moment. Very loving. I felt like this rush of unconditional love flow through me. I was like, oh my God, that's so calming. Then he backed away. I thought, okay, well, look, and they were gone, but they've come. They used to, that was the first time I remember them coming. They came throughout my childhood for many times. And every time they would come to the doorway, I felt this, instead of feeling the freaked out feelings when the little grays, these guys were amazing. I immediately would feel this rush of love. I just felt so safe. And I was like, oh, take me with you. You know, I want to be with you guys. <laughs> it was just so loving. And I remember telling my parents about this. They're like, oh, God, you're the one that sees Santa Claus. You're the one that sees Tooth Fairies. You're the one that sees Easter Bunny. You're the one that... I'm like, but they're here. You know, what do I tell? You know, they didn't believe me. But um, I learned later on their, their name is actually called The Guardians. <laughs> Thank you to Karen A. Dahlman. And if you want to hear a little bit more about The Guardians, that's what we're talking about on Patreon this week. Go to patreon.com slash You can also watch me vlogging and some of my recent L.A. adventures this past weekend. And um, tune in next week because Karen will be back. We will be uh, doing some listener questions that I... I went on the Facebook group and I said, hey, guys, I got Karen A. Dahlman. She's all, she knows all about Ouija boards. You got some questions? Send them on in. And I got a bunch of great questions. So we do that next week. We'll have her answer those. And I would also like to give a shout out to Patrick Keller, who uh, listens to this show as a fellow podcaster and recommended her as a guest. So thank you so much for that. And Anyone listening to this show, if you know of somebody cool with a cool ghost story or whatever, let me know. I always appreciate that because I do do this show every single week. So I'm always looking for guests. So let me know. You know how to get a hold of me. Please rate the show five stars. Get me back to five stars. Not this 4.9 shit. Please rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave a ghost story in a comment or just, you know, maybe a nice comment or or no comment. That's fine. Join the Facebook group Ghosted by Roz Dresfelez and follow me on Instagram at Roz Hernandez. And um, I'm on Cameo, Roz Dresfelez. Um, I might be forgetting something. I don't know. Send me your listener stories to ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line listener episodes. And I hope you have a great week. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! Starbanks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.